It is February 18th, 2022, and are you ready to talk about some pre-recorded wrestling? <laughs> this is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Tonight, Rampage on early. SmackDown taped a week ago. Rampage taped Wednesday. 12, no, 14 hours from now. Elimination Chamber. It was the go-home show. Thankfully, it's still been a busy and eventful week. There's tons of news to talk about. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Alfred Kanawa. Tonight, Issa uh, claims she had issues with her Fox app. Likely story. I'm envious. I think it's a Ladywood problem. (laughs) I'm not going there. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about the news before we get into the wrestling. Let's talk about it, Glenn. Now, of course, it's the end of a very busy news week. We had, of course, Cody leaving AEW, going to WWE, potentially. We had Stone Cold Steve Austin on his way back, potentially. But this is my favorite news story of 2022 so far, because Big Swole recently appeared on the Public Enemies podcast. Shout out to my guys, the Public Enemies podcast. Shout out to the Black Wrestling Media. Big Swole pulled up to the Public Enemies podcast and responded to Tony Khan saying that he didn't think her wrestling was good enough back in December. Uh, It was a great clapback. She said, quote, you weren't saying all that when you were smoking my weed, end quote. You know, there's nothing worse, Glenn, than somebody who smokes your weed and then goes and talks trash about you. Uh, And Big Swole apparently says that Tony Khan is one of these people. She did go on to say that she was heartbroken by uh, Tony Khan's comments because she thought they were friends, but uh, really good interview for about an hour with Big Swole here. What do you think about Tony Khan smoking weed with Big Swole, Glenn? Kendall Roy is a man of the people. <laughs> that is very good parallel. I mean, like, it's insane, right? These are one of those things. I, I swear, I make jokes sometimes and just say silly things. And I'm like, this is so far-fetched and facetious. It'll just be a little laugh. And then, you know, there's no truth in it. And then, strangely, the truth catches up with my joke or my crazy statement. This yeah. is one of those. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, uh, you know, again, her comments, I have no reason not to believe her. And I, I would imagine that Tony Khan does seem like somebody who's, you know, hangs out with the boys, maybe smokes a little weed with the boys, something like that. But um, you got to, you know, what, what drives me crazy, he probably didn't even pay. And he probably made her twist up the weed. So, like, you know, you got to do better. If you're going to smoke people's weed, you don't go around and talk trash about them. And then he bogarts the joint and sits there and proceeds to hold it and talk with his hands the entire <laughs> time while it's still burning. Shout out to Big Swole. So this story is just a gift that keeps on giving. And um, hopefully everybody can find peace here. Uh, hopefully there is a conversation behind. Maybe they can. Maybe he can apologize to Big Swole over some THC. You know, over some. Uh, maybe they do some edibles or something like that. Maybe. I mean, we, we know my experience with the edible gummies where. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, I was, I was crying in the fetal position in the middle of the night because I didn't feel it after the first one. So I ate like two more and then was convinced I was going to die. Meanwhile, my wife. My wife slept soundly next to me, having the best night's sleep of her life. While I was sitting there listening to music, I was like, I'll just put on some music. It'll calm me down. And I put it on shuffle and time of the season came on. And that is not the song to be listening to when you're like tripping balls on the the edibles. And uh, yes, I'm just in there sobbing, convinced I'm going to die. And uh, never again, never, ever again. That's when you start listening to the actual lyrics and overanalyzing everything. Got to get you some of those five milligrams, Glenn. We'll, we'll, we'll get you some no, they, smaller they doses. Were, they were like uh, five milligrams. I just happened to take 15 of it. Oh, because, good Lord. Because it takes a while sometimes for things to kick in, you know, and then when it does, you know, yeah, got it. Got all got downhill from it. there. Yes. 
Well, speaking of downhill, AEW Dynamite had a very, very bad number. 869,000 viewers. I was shocked with this number. Uh, That's the lowest number they've done all year. It's down 23% from a massive number they did last week. It was 1.129 million. Um, Of course, last week's episode benefited from Tony Khan teasing a surprise, and he's back at it again, saying there's going to be something massive within the next week. Uh, We haven't been (laughs) confirmed that it's going to be on Dynamite or Rampage, but he did say there's something massive, so maybe that will help the rating. Well, I'm surprised that the number did so poorly is because the Cody Rhodes story was so massive, and I thought it was going to get AEW more press, if nothing else, for people to tune in to see how they handled this, but nope, that didn't happen. 869, Glenn, what do you think about that number? Tony Khan is like Michael Scott being like, hey, everyone, I've got a surprise. And next week, I'll be like, well, why don't you all tell me what you think the surprise is going to be? And we'll see if you guess correctly. Uh, I mean, this is this is unfortunate that that's his big maneuver to bump a rating. I almost feel like he's trolling the audience by saying that this time. Um, but clearly, uh, the Cody Rhodes effect, folks, Wednesday, that was on full display when we saw that rating being down. Yeah, I don't know if I would blame Cody Rhodes, but, it, you know, maybe we can. <laughs> maybe this will scare WWE off of signing Cody Rhodes. They'll say he can't even draw when he leaves the company. We can't do anything with this guy. Did you see there was a Reddit thread? I know I've said this jokingly. We talked about this yesterday. There was a Reddit thread that was like, do you think Cody jumped the shark and I was all downhill after the neck tattoo? And, like, thousands of people on Reddit are just like, yes. Oh, my God. That they're, was the turning point. Those are just pro AEW people who are mad at Cody for leaving them. But the, that is an interesting discussion to be had. We got to look at Cody Rhodes' career post neck tattoo, see the matches that he had. and Because he had that great match to open AEW against his brother, against Dustin. Yeah. And he had a great storyline. He got the neck tattoo for his match against MJF, right? Because that's yeah. when he lost and couldn't challenge for the title. So, I mean, there might be something to it. It was a bold statement. <laughs> I think in WWE, WWE Cody's going to be a different guy, and I think he's going to, it's going to be good for him. But maybe in AEW, he did jump the shark after the neck tattoo. And there was sort of like, what it, what is his character? I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of think of uh, post mortem to be done on that. But that being said, his his own stock of the Cody Rhodes brand and Brandy to an extent, I mean, really rose with the stuff they were doing outside of AEW, the corporate stuff they were doing with AEW. Um, what are you hearing? The streets are the streets texting you with any updates about what's going on with Cody? I mean, it does sound pretty imminent that Cody's going to end up in WWE. Like, uh, it's it, even when he was released or when he announced that he was gone, it seemed like he'd already been talking to WWE and it seemed like they were very far along in deciding what he's going to do. So, I expect I expect to see him really on Raw after the Saudi show. I expect definitely. Really? Cody Rose, because this is one of those stories that's pretty hot, and I really do think they should strike while the iron is hot and not do the whole Bret Hart thing, because what hurt WCW with Bret Hart is they waited and waited and waited, and yeah. everybody knew he was coming, and then finally, when he did arrive, it was a non-story, and in this world we live in, there's a different big story every day that could possibly scoop the heat of Cody Rhodes leaving AEW and coming to WWE, so I think they need to strike as soon as possible. It's just so crazy. Think about like a movie like Better Off Dead, where Lane Meyer and Beth break up. Lane is depressed, uh, but over time he becomes a better skier. He fixes up the Camaro. He falls in love with the for- French foreign exchange student. And then at the end of the movie, Beth wants him back. And he's like, no. Imagine if at the end of the movie, John Cusack had been like, well, Monique, this was nice and all, but I'm getting back with Beth. That's what this is like with Cody. He built his own life. He got over the heartbreak of WWE. And now... He's just crawling back. 
Yeah, I mean, you could call it crawling back. Uh, I mean, on, a, on a pile of money. He's crawling sure, into a pile yeah. of money, but he's crawling back. <laughs> it's very similar to how he left WWE. I know it wasn't as amicable as him and AEW posting these nice messages about each other. He was very, very blunt about why he was leaving WWE. But that idea of Cody Rhodes saying, like, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. He's just – that's what motivates him. He's a guy who's going to have an eternal chip on his shoulder – and him leaving AEW, I think, is being done to prove to them that he's worth more than they thought he was. There were financial snags in negotiation. That's one of the reasons he left. And I think him becoming the biggest star for the biggest company, which he can do, is going to shove it up AEW's ass. And that's, that's what his motivation left, is. That's why he left WWE. Yes, exactly. So, and that's my point, is that it's very parallel to how he left WWE. And guess what? It succeeded, because when he left WWE, all he did was mess around and drew the biggest non- a WWE yeah. show of all time with All In, and then started AEW and became an even bigger star, earned Vince McMahon's respect. So now he's going to replicate that, I think, in WWE. And then maybe this time in three years, he'll go he's back to AEW. Come in hot. Forget this high road shit. I want this to be like when Ice Cube left NWA, and I want him to come in and compare, like, compare uh, Tony Khan to Jerry Heller. You know, basically, <laughs> I just want him to come update No Vaseline and just come and cut that promo on the Elite. I'd love that. Guns blazing. I'd love it. So good. So good. Probably won't happen. Instead, there'll be some vague, ominous reference. But he needs a character. The problem is, I think Cody, when he took on the American Nightmare idea uh, towards the end of the Indies and sort of AEW, that was very good. But what is his character? Remember when he, when he came out with MJF and DDP and they were in the Star Trek gear? I mean, what is his character? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure Cody needs necessarily a character. I think he's playing just as the cliche goes himself with the volume turned up. He is a son of pro wrestling royalty. Sure. So he has some built in bona fides there, but whatever the character is or isn't something Cody was doing was working in terms of getting reaction to those crowds because he was getting one of those unique reactions that nobody else was getting in AEW where they just let the fans react to him how they wanted to react. And it was right down the middle. Some people would boo, some people would cheer. He was a lightning rod in AEW, and, and that's good. It's the opposite of apathy, which is the worst you can yes. ask for in well, pro wrestling. Although AEW, I mean, and I say this because I was at Double or Nothing. I, I lived through that honeymoon phase. Like, we were cheering him. Like, everything right. was over. You, you had, you'd have to really suck to have not gotten over at the beginning of AEW. And I think his match with Dustin, both the one-on-one -on -one match and then the tag team match they had against the Bucks, that was a great story. Yes. After that, the MJF thing, I liked when MJF was healing it up behind his back. That was, to, bar, to use a term that some people hate, that was cute, but it worked for me. And I just feel like since then, like, what's his character? He's a guy with an unfortunate neck tattoo. <laughs> Maybe Homelander is his character because that's what he gets compared that's to. That's a good one, but that's a good one. That's but that's yeah. I think he needs to have a very strong character in WWE because in, and here's the crazy thing in WWE. Just being a very gifted wrestler is a ticket to the mid card. Like yes. him and Ricochet can have a best of seven series to show who's the better wrestler. Yeah, and he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be, and I'm not criticizing his wrestling, but he's never been a, a guy who just relies on his wrestling in order to move forward. He's very, very much into the storytelling and yeah. the 
underlying angle that's him coming to WWE. And so I don't think he necessarily needs a character. Last time they put a character on him, it was friggin' Stardust. So yeah. I think we can back off of the character. The real life story of Cody Rhodes from AEW going to WWE, the closer they get to that, the more successful this will be. I know WWE isn't going to want to mention AEW, and I completely understand that. But I think it behooves them to, at the very least, mention this guy's coming from somewhere else. He's back. And you know, that's what the elephant in the room is going to be. If they completely ignore the AEW aspect, it's going to come off as disjointed, and I don't think it's going to be as hot as it can be. Well, it's interesting because we are seeing Vince McMahon back in storylines now with Austin Theory. I think they could do something really interesting about him talking about his father's, you know, the complicated legacy that the Rhodes have had with the McMahons. Um, I think they could do something that would be interesting. But I said this, and I, I'm going to keep beating this drum. We, you know, again, I say dumb things that turn out to ha end up having truth behind them. Um, if some of his frustration with leaving AEW was his his booking authority was stripped of him, how does he go into the situation expecting a huge paycheck and not want to have a hand in something like NXT that could actually use a really, I'm not saying he's not going to be on the main roster, but how does he not, he was an EVP at AEW. That's not just a, like a, a figurehead title. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that was he was doing some real work for the company. How does he get that massive payday in WWE and just show up and uh, wrestle each week? I think the real money is in, in him having a hybrid deal. Well, yeah, I think what they would be paying for is the perception. Um, the yeah. fact that he's an a EVP means something in name value. In WWE, paying for him, being a former EVP of AEW, they could now go around saying, look at this, this. One of their founding fathers came out to, over to us the first chance he had. So paying for that and controlling that narrative is important. The EVP responsibilities will mean nothing, I think. I don't think yeah. WWE is going to bring him into book. I don't think he's going to be booking uh, for a WWE or having an executive role with WWE. I think they're paying for an EVP to come over to WWE in name value. And I don't think Cody wants to prove AEW wrong by going and booking for AEW, WWE. I think, so. I think he's going to WWE because he wants to be a bigger star so that he has more leverage when he, if he decides he does want to go back and book or does want to go back and do something else. Being a star and only focusing on the wrestling, uh, because I think it's more of a chance than not that he succeeds in WWE. There's a lot of reasons that I think he's going to succeed and become a bigger star in WWE, and that'll give him leverage against AEW to go back. And if he does, maybe he negotiates that he gets the book again. I'm still thinking there's going to be a wild card. Him and Shane O'Mac are getting together. Maybe he's going to uh, be a new exec at Control Your Narrative, which is, uh, you know. I really like the idea of Cody and Shane doing something. They, they got to. I, <laughs> I know that Shane McMahon may not have endeared himself to people, but that was a pretty big story. And bringing him back and capitalizing on that with Cody Rhodes, I think it'd be a lot of fun. They should hit the indies as a tag team called Daddy Issues. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Right? Let's do that. I mean, the story's there. Okay, so CJ Hennessy, 999 Super Chat. Since it's looking like the title versus title is inevitable at this point, why hot potato the title with Brock, hoping Rollins wins and is challenged by Cody? This could also involve Triple H. Yeah, well, Triple H uh, obviously has health issues. I think he would be the most obvious opponent for Cody if all else was equal. I think the parallels, the fact that Cody smashed the throne in AEW, there's just so many stories you can tell between Cody and Triple H. And um, yeah, I agree about hot potatoing the title with Brock. I don't think they ever should have taken it off him. But the answer to your question is Vince McMahon. He changes his mind frequently. Uh, one minute, they weren't going to do title for title. Now they're going back to it. And that requires Brock Lesnar to get the title back. So that's just at the whims of a guy who changes his mind chronically at this point in his life.
Um, Anthony Y. Buck ninety nine saying maybe a massive stadio show show, massive show with New Japan at Jaguar Stadium. But I'm, is that a Cody thing or an AEW thing? Uh, yeah, I think he's saying for Tony Khan's announcement. Oh. I'm oh, expecting yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be like Jeff Hardy or something. See, here we go. Give it to. I have no problem with him promoting, and you know, I know people criticize him because he tends to overpromise a lot, and you know, he does deliver most of the time. I think, but Cody ha- or Tony has found himself in hot water for promising something big and not necessarily coming through, but. It worked ratings-wise last week, and I think he saw that. And so now he's going to have something massive coming off their worst number of the year. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I'm thinking about this, and Cody hasn't said anything, right? Nothing since his statement. Correct? Right. Right. He's been on Twitter responding to fans and stuff like that, being very cordial, but he hasn't really, and he had the public statements, but he has not had like a sit down interview or, or really addressed this matter. I mean, I wonder, it, it's, it, it does him no good to call, throw cold water on this because he's collecting offers. You know, it gives him negotiating power. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, uh, for the last week he was at AEW, he was there to Tony Khan and he was like, you know, I still have that offer from ABC to go on after Nightline. <laughs> Just dangling that out there, you know. They were uh, calling the show the Cody Rhodes show after Nightline. After Fortunately, Nightline. it has to be called that. Yes. Uh, but no, I think um, I think it is in Cody's best interest to have the speculation. It's in WWE's best interest to have the speculation because people are going to tune in and wonder, is Cody going to show up? But I don't know. I think there could be a, a surprise element in all of this. Yeah. I, I mean, it would behoove WWE to announce that Cody's coming so they can get that big rating or at the very least maybe give a hint so that people know to tune in. But, yeah. um, you know, the sooner he comes, I, I agree with you about throwing cold water on that. And I'll take it a step further. I'm surprised he even left AEW instead of creating a bidding war. And even if yeah. he knew he wasn't coming back, maybe getting out the story that, Cody could go to WWE. Yeah, he's yeah. a free agent, but he's thinking about leaving AEW before all out just leaving AEW because even though he will get a massive payday, the money WWE is going to pay him is going to be a discount compared to if they had to bid and tear him away from AEW, which that would maybe we're talking about another million, $2 million probably. Yeah, and it's very interesting. This is, is, I mean, it's, I think because it's been a while since we've had such a high level. Talent, uh, Stellar Justin Lopez, four ninety nine, saying, "Could you see Cody becoming WWE champ realistically?" I mean, I think that's probably what he wants. If if you're saying, "Okay, they can't give him booking power," so let's discount the idea that he's going to be the new head writer on NXT Level Up, which debuted tonight. Uh, let's discount that. Then airtime and pre- the prestige of a title, in addition to you know bracking up the Brinks truck. I mean. I don't know that he's going to beat Roman Reigns, but I think he could beat Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think a thousand percent he will be WWE champion. I think they're going to push this guy to the moon. I think him coming back and, you know, shaking up WWE is a good thing. And then also there's just the point that there's going to be some free agents from AEW who are going to be keeping a close watch on this. And if nothing else, if you want to trick them into coming to WWE before you bury them all in 2024, then you make Cody the biggest star so that they can see that and say, wow, maybe I could be a big star too. Now, Trevor Stuck is saying he thinks I'm underselling Cody. He's more over than he's ever been, including his initial. I mean, I don't, I did not see the buzz on the last promos. I think he's over because people are very excited to see about where he goes next. 
I, I did see that, but I, I just saw in terms of when you say over, I'm, I'm not even saying popularity. I'm saying the reaction. I felt that he was yeah. getting top two or three reactions every week on AEW. It was like nothing else. If, mm. if, if, I think if WWE were to see these promos that he was cutting and seeing these fans, it would remind them of John Cena. And I think that's a good thing with WWE um, in terms of their mind, if they were to see that and, and it would remind them of John Cena. I'm just going to say this and like, again, I look, I, I have friends, I have people that I, I know people that have face tattoos and have been very successful in life. <laughs> you can't be John Cena with that neck tattoo. <laughs> Didn't John Cena have a neck tattoo in a movie? It was the, uh, was yeah, that... in a movie, <laughs> not as John Cena, but we'll, like, see, we'll like, see what yeah. Vince thinks about the neck tattoo. I want I'm very curious to see what Vince thinks about the neck tattoo. <laughs> I'm just saying that neck tattoo, in my mind, that's like a good half a million to a million pay cut on what wow. I'm offering him because of that. Wow. You know, parents aren't going to say, hey, look up. You know, they say, look up to John Cena, hustle, loyalty, respect. Uh, they're going to, parents are going to uh, look at Cody Rhodes and point to their kids and be like, don't make regrettable decisions in your life. <laughs> don't join that's the gonna nightmare be, factory. Yes, <laughs> he's going to be a role model in that way. Uh, Joni Shauna Jenkins, Canadian $2, Rhodes DiBiase Jr., and Joe Hennig, LOL. <laughs> they were all part of the FCW class? Is that what we're... Uh, the daddy issues. Oh, oh daddy issues. So we're, now we're building a faction of daddy issues. Interesting. That's a pretty good idea. I mean, on the indies, that would uh, that would clean up. I mean, they called them legacy when they were together last. Oh, you could have, like, great vignettes where they're having, like, group therapy sessions. <laughs> With Alexa Bliss's therapist. Maybe he'll help yes. them. There you go. Well, uh, the next two stories, and The Undertaker's yes. going into the Hall of Fame, so we're going to get to that because they did air a package, and so we could discuss it then. And then congratulations to Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. They gave birth to their baby boy. Oh, yes, that's right. His name is Quill. Quill. Yes. That's a pretty badass name. I like that. Quill. It's good. Hopefully it stands the test of time. Yeah. That's a, that's a wrestler name. You don't have to change that. If he wants to be a wrestler, Quill. Quill just Gargano. Quill. Well, this is why I can never have kids because, uh, you, you know, any name that I give my child, like, like Max Rubenstein, that's an accountant, you know, that's like, I'm predestining what he's going to do. It's very hard. You know, you, you, you pigeonhole them right from birth with the name. You can name him Jamal just so, you know, give people a left turn Jamal or Ladarius or something like that. You know, best of both worlds there. Yeah. No, Quill's Quill's nice. Um, it is a little timeless, you know. It's uh, I think a little esoteric, but no, I think uh, I think it's nice. the problem is Gargano is a t again tough pairing, you know, tough pairing with anything. There, yeah. Quill would be good as just one word, like a one word name, especially like, if he adopts it as a wrestler. You just be like, Quill, like Prince or Madonna. Yeah, or Hook. Or Hook. It's true. Uh, congrats to them. Where do you think Johnny Gargano? Yeah, that's interesting because now that opens up because his thing was he's going to wait until his wife gives birth before he makes any decision in terms of where he's going. So, you know, it's not like he's going to now just, all right, honey, you gave birth. See you later because you got to be with the child. And, you know, so it's probably going to be a couple months out. But I do expect him to be with AEW. Oh, I like Ethan Cruz's idea, like Quill LeRae. Quill LeRae sounds like a protagonist in a romance novel. Yeah, it does. Like, like uh, yeah, like, like he's, uh, you know... Uh, I don't know, like uh, some rogue debonair character that hangs out in the French Quarter, in New New Orleans. You know, Quill Array. 
Danielle yeah. Steele came up with. Yeah, absolutely. It's solid. Solid. Uh, Shout out to the so, chat, too, for uh, all these references to LaCroix and MacBook and Water Bottle <laughs> off the new episode of South Park. Because I've been going around my house saying MacBook, MacBook, LaCroix. Uh, it was a very funny episode. I have Shout not watched Park. the new South Park. I actually uh, <laughs> woefully behind on South Park. I had to show my wife she had never seen the Fish Sticks episode, uh, the Kanye episode. Oh, wow. So we watched that like last week. Yeah, very, you know, South Park is on it. They, they, this season has been very good. Off to a good start. I really love the Token episode. Oh, I'll have to check it out. If there's what? something that's unveiled about Token that will shock you. You got to check it out. Nice. Uh, what else is in the news? That's the news. We're um, have a busy news week, and so we're headed into WrestleMania, but that's the news. Now, the news was not pre-recorded. This news actually happened. It was not taped a week ago, like SmackDown tonight or Wednesday, like AEW. Like pre-taped wrestling, man. Here's the problem with pre-taped wrestling. Anything really great that happens, you're going to hear about ahead of time. So there's no element of surprise whatsoever. And you're tuning in. So like, oh, I want to see how it plays out. Do you really want to see how it plays out? Do you think the numbers tonight are going to suggest that people want to see how this plays out? (laughs) Because we knew like the Elimination Chamber match tonight with Ronda and uh, Naomi versus Sonya and Charlotte, that was pretty good i mean that was confirmed yeah we knew that was happening we knew Sami Zayn was winning the intercontinental championship uh the news did break about undertaker so there just wasn't much surprise in smackdown tonight with rampage rampage was a a solid show um but you know we started with adam cole versus let's talk about rampage first because that was on first um what did you think of this i thought this was a very fun match between adam cole and 10 from the dark order tonight with adam cole winning via pinfall me too, man. Ten showed me something. Not that I didn't think he had potential before, but the crowd really reacted to him. They were doing the ten thing, and he's gonna be something because for a guy with a mask on, the fact that he's able to connect with fans—it's a lot harder than it looks in terms of you having a mask on and being able to do that. Especially Americans, I think the lucha libre culture understands that psychology. But the fact that ten this early in his career was able to really connect the way he did and have a really good match with Adam Cole. I think uh, it bodes well for his future. AEW has a lot of very talented big men who I feel like could transcend and make them a lot of money, uh, but they don't use them well because it's all about professional wrestling, and that really favors smaller talents. And so some of these guys like Wardlow, Ten, Jake Hager, even Powerhouse Hobbs, they, they really should start getting them going. It's weird to think, too, because the people love Batman. They love Zorro. Masks, you know, are not a hindrance in any other media. But, I mean, Spider-Man. I mean, just yeah. it goes on and on. The mask, you know, even the mask right there. But in wrestling, you know, unless you're Rey Mysterio or Kane, a little tough. A little tough to get the people on your side. I think in North American wrestling, they're just not – I mean, there have been plenty of wrestlers with masks and stuff like that in North America, but it's almost like a rite of passage in Lucifer Libre to where the mask is, like, seen as this glorious thing. So uh, they have less of a problem connecting with the audience through the mask, whereas I think North American wrestlers – do have a problem with that yeah and it's interesting i think um lucha libre is not fully appreciated i think the pageantry of lucha yes. libre is not fully appreciated by american audiences completely agree that's what i love about lucha libre actually and i love when the masks get more elaborate i mean even like what lindsay dorado has done uh what some of the performers have done i think that i mean ray at times has really gone above and beyond i think that it's such a uh inherently interesting art form that allows for so many elaborate possibilities that i'm surprised more wrestlers don't take advantage of that but i guess there's kind of limits to what's comfortable or practical to wrestle yeah exactly what you can get in the ring with um jushin thunder liger and psychosis oh yeah have the two best 
Yeah, I don't know how Jushin uh, wrestles in some of those more elaborate masks. That yeah. seems like it would be impairing. Uh, but this was a good match. Adam Cole won, and he was joined on the ramp by Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. I think Roderick Strong was watching this at home. Just <laughs> counting down the days. That's got to be weird, though, right? It's got to be weird to be in a four-man faction and three of them leave. And you got to wonder, was the problem you? You know what I mean? It's like if uh, if REM said, hey, we're breaking up, and then three of the guys went and formed the band without Michael Stipe, it would be kind of like, hmm. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a little suspicious, guys. Hey, Ringo, you stay right here. We'll be right back, Ringo. You just stay there and we'll go. <laughs> we don't want to be in the Beatles anymore. We're going to go form this other band. We'll be the cockroaches now. <laughs> it's got to be a little strange. Yeah. And to be fair, that was the original iteration of the Undisputed Era. They did bring in Roderick Strong after the fact in that great tag team match they had with Pete Dunne where they turned afterwards. But Okay, so if the Beatles had had broken up and reformed with Pete Best, like Ringo really wouldn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And that's the deepest Beatles reference you will ever get on this show. Uh, So, Face of the Ladder Revolution... Face of the Revolution, Face of the Ladder. Face of the Revolution, Ladder Match Qualifier, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin. What did you think of this match? I love this match. I mean, they did try to recreate the Keith Lee, Yeet Lee, Beal spot, which looked good, but I mean, I don't think anything's ever going to look as impressive as what Keith Lee did, but uh, if people want to keep trying to recreate it, they can. Um, And I thought this match was very good. I thought they did a good job making Powerhouse Hobbs look like a badass. I love Powerhouse Hobbs celebrating, like, when he heard the three, he celebrated, like, a hard-fought win. think that was a kind of a nod to Dante Martin and how he took it to him Uh, I thought this was great Martin was flying around and had great control of his body this is this is awesome yeah good good win for Hobbs yeah Hobbs getting better Jade Cargill with her hair green like money yeah and the Riddler outfit the Riddler she's so good yeah she she is green like money that is a real thing her quarter hours are just doing gangbusters they're consistently the top rated uh, quarter hours how do you think that's going to work out for uh, the bunny next week oh, i think she's getting squashed I, I, again jade cargill needs to be in short matches this is one of them that you know the bunny actually she's good enough to where if they had a long match it would be just fine and, and jade cargill's getting better and better in that aspect but just for the mystique of jade cargill and a play to her strengths i think this should be a two-minute match where cargill just pulls those bunny ears off and beats the crap out of her with it you know who Jade uh, wearing the money suit? She should get that dude that used to want to sell you the book on how Matthew to get money. Go. Yes, that's what I was thinking about too. Free. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy. You got to tweet that out. You got to tweet out on the side by side and be like, that should be her new manager, Matt. Yes. Let's go. I'm, I'm so glad you came. Up. I thought I was the only one who. I should have known you would know that deep reference too. I thought I was the only one who thought about that, but yes, she did look like Matthew. Let's go. <laughs> It makes sense, right? You should come out. You should manage her, be your mouthpiece. Oh, be good. Oh, my God, please. I mean, I like smart Mark Sterling, but if they were able to get Matthew Lesko to manage Jade Cargill, it, it, it fits. It's green like money. <laughs> this is the high point of tonight's podcast, folks. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> Just oh putting it out there. Uh, Jacob, $2, wanting to know, is Finn Balor AEW bound? He isn't used in WWE. Well, no, I don't think he's AEW bound. I think he's still under contract for 
I don't know how much longer, but he's just being put on ice right now. But uh, I think it was, I was either with you or um, Justin, somebody brought up like a bullet club type reunion with, um, you know, oh. Cody and you put Finn Ballard and AJ Styles is around there. So WWE does have reverence for the bullet club. And um, I wouldn't have a problem with bringing Finn Ballard back under those pretenses. I would say bullet club is the thing WWE has the most reverence for that they don't own. Exactly. hundred percent. It is strange the way they try and co-op that. A little yeah. Because they've done it with AJ and they brought in Gallows and Anderson to kind of repurpose it. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very strange uh, how like that's the one trend they really rode uh, and thought that they were getting over with it way more than it was uh, in WWE at least. Serena Deeb versus Angelica Risk. Uh, Serena Deeb, what did you think of this tonight? I love this gimmick. I hope they just keep doing it and doing it. This would be a good way to bring out Ember Moon or, or somebody, or she gets upset shockingly. But, you know, the second I heard that Serena D was going to be doing these five-minute challenges, I was really uh, into it. And I think they just need to stick with stuff like this. Uh, it's short matches. It's Serena D being a heel. Very similar to Timothy Thatcher, but she's perfect for this uh, role. And so if she keeps beating these no-namers only to get beat by somebody coming from the outside, it could be Mia Yim. It could be some big name. There's a lot of women. Tony Storm. So I, I think that's where it should pay off. No, absolutely. I thought she looked very, very good tonight. Yeah, she's an excellent wrestler. She's one of pound for pound one of the best wrestlers they have. Like I put her in the top five pound for pound just best wrestlers in AEW. Uh, Wednesday's AEW uh, Dynamite will be the TBS Championship. Jade Cargill versus The Bunny. Malachi Black and Brody King versus Pac and Penta El Zero Medo. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho face-to-face and a tag team battle royal for a spot in the three-way AEW tag team title match at Revolution. And next Friday's Rampage will be Sammy Guevara versus Andrade El Idolo for the TNC Championship. And Excalibur also announced two new title matches for Revolution. Hangman Adam Page putting his championship on the line versus Adam Cole. And AEW's women champion, Dr. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. So that's going to be very exciting. Revolution is already looking like a very, very exciting pay-per-view. Yeah. And AEW typically delivers with this pay-per-view because they have time to build it up. It's very similar to WWF in the 80s and even the early 90s when you would have about four in your houses a year. Yeah. And they really had time to stack that card. So they very rarely disappointed. And speaking of uh, WWF in the 80s, Saturday night's main event is coming back for a premium live event in April. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be fun. I, the WWE should really be using more of these nostalgic names, not even just in WWE, but also the Slamboree name. All these WCW names that they own should really be repurposed. So I'm looking forward to Saturday Night Main Event. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Richard Dusty Murray, $5 Super Chat, right in Raj Geary's college fund for his <laughs> children, saying at some point, Deeb will do her open challenge and will be against a masked Lucha who winds up smoking her and then unmasks to unveil athena former ember moon yes i i'd love that absolutely love it that would be good that'd be great because then it's like she's just been squashing all these uh five minute rookies so then a mass person comes in and starts taking it to her and she's like what the hell's going on here and i yeah. think everybody would know as long as everybody can tell that it's ember moon early on this would be real, that would be a lot of fun I think Ember Moon has both a very distinctive style of wrestling and a very distinctive physicality. I think that would be hard to to mask, for lack of a better term. Yeah, especially if you hit the total eclipse. Then it's like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. 
uh zachary buck 99 saying adam cole brings home gold and his girl loses hers well stranger things have happened i think both uh adam cole and Britt baker might walk home empty-handed following revolution really yes you don't think they're gonna do a couple's champs gimmick look how well that's worked in <laughs> no it never worked <laughs> It's never. Yeah, I don't know about that. I wasn't a fan of Britt Baker and Adam Cole's interactions, the brief interactions they had in AEW. I felt like it brought, kind of brought both of them down a little bit. I think both of them are better on their own. And Britt Baker is such an alpha that when she's with Adam Cole, she has to play his girlfriend in this damsel in distress. That's not Britt Baker. She's an alpha. That's like it's like such a curb your enthusiasm style observation. It's like, well, Becky Lynch, I like you on your own, and Seth, I like you on your own, but no, I just I just can't picture you two together. I just yeah. don't want to even want to see it. But that's yeah. how a lot of people are. There's a lot of people who I love when they're on their own, but with like couples and when they're together, it's like, I don't want to be around this couple together. I like you individually. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, so Jay White versus Trent Beretta with Orange Cassidy tonight. This was like a half an hour long match. This was uh, the majority of the show. It felt like, but hell of a match. What did you think of this? I thought it was good. You know, it was really surreal that they not only brought in Jay, Jay um, White, but they played the music that he has in uh, New Japan. Everything was kept the same. I loved it. And uh, Jay White looked awesome in there. And, you know, maybe they'll be doing more with Jay White. I, I'm under the impression that this is just a short-term thing because Tony Khan felt like he needed to make up for his definition of the forbidden door, which I think that's him just kind of overthinking this thing a little bit. But if that brings us Jay White in a match like this against one of the underrated wrestlers in Trent Beretta, fine with it. It was good. It was very good. Uh, Orange Cassidy was there. And uh, it was amazing how they use Orange Cassidy, like just his mere presence. I'm trying to think, does WWE, like there's no one WWE has like that, where it's like, oh, we're just going to have him standing by because we know that the audience is going to pop for him. We know like he's a drawn it up to himself. He doesn't even have to be in the match and he'll get, you know, some spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody is allowed to be presented as that special. And the people who are, are the top tier main adventures, like a Brock or a Roman Reigns. The comparison you can make is when Paul Heyman would cut those promos and all Brock would have to do is stand around. Uh, but you know, it's one or two people, but yeah, they don't really have people like that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah, this was an okay episode. Had this been live, I just think it would have been much more exciting. Yeah, you could tell the crowd was tired, and it was very wrestling heavy, and not a lot really happened. Not not very newsworthy. It's funny, though, NXT Level Up, I, I turned that on for a few minutes before we got started here, and they taped that before NXT. And I hate to say it, they should tape Rampage before Dynamite. I agree. Like, the crowd will because dynamite still has the bigger matches i think uh they'll they'll be amped up for that but no there was something to doing it before nxt level up they sounded very enthused very hot crowd yeah and, and the problem with doing rampage before however would be that a, a lot of times on dynamite an angle yeah the build story to Friday. so if they see the know. match first and then they do the business crowd would be very confused just do all your promos taped backstage right for that you know, in-ring promos are kind of, I don't know. What, what do you think about the state of in-ring promos in 2022? That's an interesting question because AEW typically does not do as many as WWE in terms of that raw format of we're going to open the show with a bunch of promos. But AEW does them very well. They've been doing them a lot more as of late. We saw two weeks ago they 
it was very much like Raw, where they opened the show with this promo where it was one person after another walking out. But it was a good promo. So they've got a lot of people who can promo and who are trusted to promo. So the state of in-ring promos in AEW is very good. In WWE, where everything is very scripted and by the book, I don't think it's as good. Yeah. So tomorrow's Elimination Chamber, do you think Stone Cold gets an early payday and shows up tomorrow to announce his return and then explains his motivation on Raw Monday? I don't. I think it'd be a little bit of a waste to do it. I mean, not a waste of money, that's for sure. Not for Stone Cold Steve Austin, but I, I think if he was going to be at the show, we'd know by now because all the planes have landed in Saudi and I don't imagine them doing a private jet situation where they hide Stone Cold Steve Austin and send him to a smaller airport in Saudi. Um, but I don't expect seeing him there. And I think it would be better if his first appearance in WWE was in the States where, you know, with fans that would actually really I react agree. to him. I'm sure the Saudi fans would recognize him and would react to him, but it just wouldn't be as impactful as in front of a United States crowd. Yeah. And we talked about this the other night. Is Riddick Moss going to call, or pardon me, Madcap Moss going to cause an international incident in KSA with the joke he tells tomorrow. Oh, man. They might, they might not want him telling any jokes, you know? You don't know what could offend who, and so maybe he just gets in there and uh, has a, just a classic wrestling match with Drew McIntyre and keeps his mouth shut. Perhaps. So we did start tonight the go-home show that they pretended was live. We're like, oh, tomorrow, Elimination Chamber. Just 14 hours. I mean, really, just really pretending that they didn't tape this last week. Um, we had Ronda Rousey, Naomi in the ring doing a contract signing with Charlotte and Sonya. And I can't believe they're going there. It's oh, Ronda said in an interview, she could beat you with one hand tied behind her back. So let's make that the stipulation. Ronda's got to wrestle with one hand tied behind her back or one arm. Yes. Very interesting stipulation. We're going to have there to match Sonya Deville with one arm. Uh, I <laughs> we'll see how this goes because in Ronda's I like Ronda's in ring style and stuff like that, but she, at the same time she's still somewhat of a novice when it comes to wrestling, just in terms of the amount of ring time she's had. So to throw in the monkey wrench of having one arm tied behind her back is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think this could be like the blindfold match. This could be very, yeah, <laughs> like this could be very. This could get very strange very quickly. It can't. They're doing it in front of the right crowd because, you know, another crowd, you know, any of the crowds in the States would probably turn on a match like this if it got away from them. And so at least it's going to be a forgiving crowd. But uh, I'm very curious to see how they're going to make this work. I, I imagine Ronda wouldn't have that much time in the ring. She'll get maybe a hot tag and, and win the match with one arm. But um, they shouldn't really count on her being in the ring for too long with one arm tied behind her back. If I was in a fight with one arm tied behind my back, and my opponent had the same, I think it would just turn into slap boxing <laughs> by the end. Um, yeah, this could get really messy, but we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to this very much looking forward to Becky versus Lita. No way in hell. I'm waking up at 9am tomorrow Pacific time to watch this. But when I turn it on, I think the women's matches are uh, going to be very interesting. Zachary. Okay. Alfred, you got text the streets. Zachary, 499, to tell us there's a report that Cody was spotted in a Ukrainian airport with a fan. He took a picture with the fan. It's speculated he's on the way to Saudi Arabia. Well, I, I don't know the legitimacy of that, Mr. Zachary, uh, but uh, Texas Streets to see if that is the case. <laughs> I think Cody's look is very popular 
in parts of Eastern Europe. I think that's a very popular look. Are we talking about the neck tattoo? No, not the neck tattoo. No. In (laughs) fact, that's what we need to verify. But I'm saying just that like bleach blonde hair, like like, obnoxiously bleach blonde and wearing suits and stuff. Like, I think that's a very popular look in Eastern Europe. Oh, yeah. There's probably a lot of gentlemen in legitimate businesses, wink, wink, who (laughs) sport that look in Eastern Europe. Absolutely. The businessmen with the suits and the trench Legitimate coats. businesses. Very legitimate. Very legitimate, very legal. Nothing for the FBI to see here. And if you want to question them, they're not saying anything till their lawyer gets there. <laughs> uh, so, oh, and, and no, no, the first thing they say is that uh, uh, you're the police, I own the police. And then the next thing is lawyer. <laughs> That's Cody does kind of dress like the Tinder swindler. Why aren't Los Lotharios? That's that should be the new thing on their gimmick. <laughs> that's that's how you make a heel. Is that you make him like the tender swindler? I I wonder sometimes if we wrote for WWE, would it be better or would we just be amusing ourselves and would the audience completely disappear? No, no, all of the above. We'd be amusing ourselves and it would be better. It would be better. Somebody get Vince McMahon a Netflix account. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you know, some of the best stuff WWF ever did was him or a wrestler just like ripping off movies and TV shows. Yeah, it's in wrestling is a microcosm of pop culture. And it's not just TV shows. It could also be current news headlines that they effectively rip off. You know, WWE, they've gotten a lot better at this in recent years. But the thing that WWE that used to drive me crazy is they would come up with a storyline about something that happened like a year ago. Like they referenced that Tiger Woods thing like two years after it happened. It's like it's not going to work now. Ricochet versus Sheamus. How many times have we seen this match? Ricochet got a win. He did, but it's it's too little too late for this at this point. Good for Ricochet, but um, I mean, I'm so numb to this match. At least they're moving forward with Sheamus and Ridge Holland, who they've done nothing with, but they're going to split now. Yeah. Yeah. Ricochet's so good in the ring. He's very talented. I, I still think he could benefit from a manager more than almost anyone in the company because even like backstage in that interaction that he had like it's unfortunate i really like the guy i think he's great in interviews i think he's naturally a likable person but i just think there's something about his delivery of a promo or any sort of anything scripted and it just falls flat yeah he's he's really not a good promo and the way it's scripted doesn't sound like how real people talk and it just kind of similar with jade cargill but the inverse where you need to Focus on his strengths. His strengths are the wrestling and the high flying and all the stuff that he can do that nobody else in this business can. And if you focus on that and he wins his matches, the people will get behind him. But he doesn't necessarily need to be going out there cutting all these promos. He should have somebody talking for him. Or he could just be somebody where you focus on his wrestling. Jeff Hardy became one of the biggest stars WWE had, mostly through the high flying acrobatics of Daredevil. And then when he had to cut promos, they would keep him very short. Or they would do him backstage. And so they need to kind of focus on doing that with Ricochet if they ever want to do anything with them, which I don't know if they do. I like what Bernie DC in the chat saying that Ricochet and Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. That'd be fun. That's what they kind of teased. And that'd be a, it looks like we're going to get Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. So if Sami Zayn can get past Johnny Knoxville, I would like to see him and Ricochet go one-on-one. Okay. In the ring, those guys can go toe-to-toe like kid and play. They can match each other's strengths. 
and it will be beautiful in promos. Sammy is going to just leave Ricochet in the dust. Yes, yeah. And, well, if it's presented as like a promo off to see who can out promo whom, I think Sammy's <laughs> yeah, do like to see who does the better promo. <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. definitely be Sammy Zayn. But I think Sammy Zayn will do a good job getting people to hate him. That's why he's a good promo. I think is he does a good job getting people to turn against him so that maybe Ricochet will be presented as a guy who needs to shut Sami Zayn up. But you're absolutely right. Sami Zayn's on another level compared to Ricochet. But that doesn't work. Maybe, maybe that worked for Bob Backlund to have a heel that was so good at healing that he could get the baby face over without the baby face having to say anything. But there is no heel currently that good that can get a baby face without some sort of comeback or charisma. Right. No, Ricochet would definitely have to talk as well. Um, but again, they would just have to keep it short and whatnot. But, you know, they would have to get something out of Ricochet. But maybe Sami Zayn can help guide him there. And consider this. Roman, when Roman wasn't getting over, we have seen since that it was not Roman. It was the material. It was the suffering succotash. It was all, you know, the terrible lines they gave him. I think Roman's delivery was still better than Ricochet's is, but... Man, it's it's like, why doesn't a producer, and we know people from WWE watch this, why doesn't a producer make Ricochet their project and say, we're going to figure out a character that this guy can do naturally that comes to him and that comes across with even 50% of the gravitas he has in the ring? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think, particularly Vince McMahon at this point has seen anything in Rick. I think they've just kind of given up on him, and he's just somewhat of the walking dead in WWE, <laughs> which is sad. Which would be a good gimmick, because anyone would have to talk <laughs> as much. He could be a zombie. There you go. There you go. But, yeah, if, if they were still invested in him, they really should sit down and think, what are all the things Ricochet does very well that we can highlight? How can we incorporate into a character, not necessarily like an occupation or he has to be a truck driver or something like that, but something that's true to him? Because I know he's a big fan of anime. Vince is watching the news about the caravan. And he's like, Ricochet, I got an idea. You ever been to Canada? (laughs) I would love to see WWE's take on the truck driver situation through Ricochet. Let's see what they think about this through Ricochet. And Vince is like, did you ever hear the song Convoy? I think we're going to we're gonna update that. It's going to be huge. Um, no, but look, there's a lot of talented wrestlers in WWE, and I know we often talk about being a talented wrestler, like that and a dollar will get you on the bus. Um, but Ricochet is legitimately the most talented pure athlete in the ring in all of WWE. Yeah, maybe in all of wrestling. I mean, this yeah. guy is incredible in what he can do. Yeah, so he's worth investing in and workshop it, you know? And I think that it hurt him coming in as a major star on the indies. What What's the story we heard about Tyler Breeze uh, back in NXT when he was going to be cut? They said, Tyler, come up with 10 characters and make a bunch of videos, and you need to come up with something that we think has legs or you're gone. Ricochet came in as a big name. He never had that challenge. No one ever said, well, who's Ricochet as a character? Yeah, it was just kind of the buzz that he had on the indies. And he did come in NXT originally. So that got him by in NXT, being a big name on the indies. And then with WWE, between being a big name in NXT and being a big name in the indies, unfortunately, WWE doesn't care about that. 
did he even cut a promo in NXT? I feel like he just came out and they had the lasers and he was posing and they had the vignettes and the highlight reels. I think he had more mystique when he didn't talk. Yeah, he didn't have that great promo where, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like a long promo, but where he jumped over the ropes when he was with Velveteen Dream and he did the big flip over the ropes. He stuck mm-hmm. the landing and then he said like three words or something like that. But the flip over the ropes was what people were talking about because they were focusing on that. Yeah, that's the key. That's yeah. the key right there. Every time he says something, he needs to do like a backflip and then be like, word. That could be his gimmick. He, just, <laughs> he flips. It's a new language. And then, then he teaches people how to speak the language. So you got to you say a couple words, do a backflip. Yeah, he can have like a Rosetta Stone. Hey, this could be the character. It's like the Rosetta Stone where you learn how to talk and flip like Ricochet. Yes, something. Something. We got to do something. Zachary Buck 99 Ricochet for U.S. Championship. Move him to Raw. What Was he U.S. champion before? I feel like he had a short title run. I think. Did he beat AJ Styles? Oh, no, I don't think he beat AJ Styles for the title. I want to say he was U.S. champion, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's ever even won any championships in WWE. Um, I know in NXT, he was, I believe he was a North American champion in NXT. Edward Cousins says, Jim Cotta. We need to bring back the Jim Cotta. A movie I've never yeah. actually seen, but I've joked about watching. Probably a good dozen. Oh, you know what I watched last night that I've never seen before? Have you ever seen No Retreat, No Surrender? No. Oh, my God. How's that? Okay, so it came out in 1986. as Jean-Claude Van Damme's first film in the U.S. where he plays like a Russian karate bad guy. Um, okay. No Retreat, No Surrender is like somebody watched The Karate Kid and said, I want to make a movie like The Karate Kid, but edgier. And um, the plot of No Retreat, No Surrender, which you can find online, I think it might be streaming for rental legally somewhere. I think it's all on YouTube. No Retreat, No Surrender. So an evil crime syndicate wants to take over all the dojos in the U.S. And they beat up this dojo guy in L.A. and his son is humiliated and like his family and shame moves to Seattle where Bruce Lee it's his final resting place. And his son idolizes Bruce Lee. So his son's having a hard time fitting in. He's getting beaten up by the local bullies. And his son goes to Bruce Lee's grave and asks for help. Bruce Lee's ghost is the Mr. Miyagi of this film. Wow. Who trains this kid. And he's got a friend, Ray J, or RJ, RJ. Oh. <laughs> and his friend uh, breakdances, uh, likes to breakdance. And uh, it has one of the most insane training sequences I've ever seen. And at the end, uh, our hero fights Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the whole movie looks like it was shot on 16-millimeter film for about a budget of $300. Uh, The sound is terrible. The writing is almost non-existent. The acting is barely passable. And goddammit, I love this film. I've got to see it now. (laughs) There is a a character, a husky bully. And when we first see the husky bully, he is eating. Remember those frozen cakes that would like come like yes. an ice cream type thing? He's got a frozen ca- frozen cake thing and he's just in there shoving frozen cake into his mouth and like making fun of the kid. <laughs> Does the Bruce Lee ghost at least look like Bruce Lee? It actually they 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 uh cast someone who was a Bruce Lee stunt double. Oh. I'm gonna stand it. So there you go. I need to plug in apparently my uh, battery is low because I'm getting so excited talking about No Retreat, No Surrender. But if you've never seen this film, it is incredible. And I had to make an animated GIF to show you a shot from the training montage that just explains the ridiculousness of this film because uh, he is he, the, he is training. And I saw this and I immediately had to make an animated gift and send it to my uh, my brothers uh, and and my wife because she enjoyed this as well. 
but this is from the training montage. This is with his friend, RJ. Okay. So, so look, RJ is eating his ice cream. It looks like Michael Jackson from yeah. Thriller. RJ sitting there while his oh friends just strengthening his neck and his core. This is no retreat, no surrender. Uh, this film was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Watch that this weekend. <laughs> what section of Pornhub is this movie on? Uh, well, and I have to say, Jean-Claude Van Damme has one of the coolest moves that I, I don't think you can do in WWE because the ropes are too uh, firm. But Van Damme, like, flips the guy over the rope and ties him up between the ropes and then just, like, wails on him. Like, yeah. Van Damme was very good in this. I very good. Highly recommend. He's good in Double Trouble with Dennis Rodman. Oh, double team. Was it double, double team? team? Double team. Yeah. Oh, you know what we learned yesterday on this podcast? We did the Thursday uh, yes. with myself, Issa, and Raj. Raj has never seen Bloodsport with John Claude Van Damme. Oh God, no! He's got to get on that. He'll love that. I think he'll love Bloodsport. I, I mean, who? What? You know, I, I don't. I don't mean to like gender stereotype, but what male that was born between the ages of 1970 and the year 2000 has not seen Blood Bloodsport? Amazing. Bloodsport is an amazing movie. Absolutely. Uh, but I have to watch Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta, I believe uh, he's a gymnast who has his own karate style using his gymnastic moves and the karate. Uh, yeah, which brings us back to Ricochet, which was what he can do. Jim Cotta. And Los Lotharios can do the Lombada, the forbidden dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> Eric Craithwall, what did you think of the movie Lucas? I saw it as a child. It was in that kind of past is a feel good inspirational film before we had Rudy. And then Rudy was like, that's our, that's our movie. That's Standard our movie there. for the underdog. Apparently though, the movie Rudy is all entirely bullshit. Yeah. A lot of it's BS. Joe Montana and some of the Notre Dame fighting Irish who were there have all come out and spoken against it. But I mean, it's a movie. You can't expect everything to be completely honest. Well, we talked about this, like in Bloodsport, Frank Dukes said all this really happened and he made it all up. There was no Kumite. <laughs> all lies. All lies. Uh, this more interesting than most of SmackDown tonight, but I suppose we should talk about Sami Zayn's promo backstage, talking about the conspiracies. I like, I like, like even on his interest tonight, avid conspiracy theorist. That's part of his yeah. bio. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about that match. We got the Undertaker package, lengthy, like half of the show was video packages tonight, and. They finally did it, folks. They finally mixed together Metallica's Sad But True with Kid Rock's American Badass, the song that sampled Sad But True, and they merged them together into one yeah. tune. How did you feel about that? I thought it was a little wonky, but it was good to hear from Metallica and a little bit of nostalgia for the American Badass with Kid Rock there, but a very good tribute altogether with The Undertaker. I thought the video package as a whole, I did think it was a little weird that they mixed those two songs together. But as a whole, that video package was very good. You know, it's, it's The Undertaker, so you've got to be respectful and you've got to really put some real effort into this Hall of Fame package and showing his career. You know, there's nothing they could have done that would have done justice to the career of The Undertaker. So at least they definitely tried, and it's long overdue for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, but Kid Rock is in the Hall of Fame, and I think the best live music entrance The Undertaker ever had was Limp Biscuit playing Roland at WrestleMania. I think we need to start the petition for Fred Durst. Now, I want all of them biscuit because West Borland deserves some love too. They should yeah. be going into the Hall of Fame this year with The Undertaker. That'd be fun as a celebrity wing and at least playing him out. That, that'd be great. Something. Limp Biscuit, look, I'm just saying in this modern age, there's a lot of love for Limp Biscuit. Kid Rock has become a more polarizing figure. Limp Biscuit only grows 
and the affection. Yeah, I, I think they got a bad rap as somewhere along the line they became like the world's most hated band and people acted like, oh, it's not cool to like them anymore. But there was a moment where they were they were cooking. Yes. Limp Bizkit, a, Fred Durst and uh, Method Man, Shut the F Up was a great song too. Yes. Limp Bizkit said, we're the world's most hated band. And then ICP said, hold my Fago. Uh, <laughs> you know. I watched the United States of Insanity. That was an awesome documentary. That's about uh, Juggalos being put on the FBI list as a gang. Oh that was gosh. a fantastic documentary. A lot of good ICP info in there. Very interesting. Highly recommend. Did they show any gathering of the Juggalos? Oh, yes, they did. Justin Labar has been to uh, at least one. Really? I got to talk to him about that next Wednesday. Yeah, he was working on wrestling events at the gathering of the Juggalos. Oh, I think I remember him seeing in pictures on that. I've never been to I've talked about going to the gathering. Me and Jeff Gersman from Giant Bomb, uh, who came up together in the video game journalism biz, when we were once in a band together, we have talked about going to the gathering of the Juggalos for the last 25 years. One wow. day it will happen. Yeah. One day. ICP should also be in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Maybe the WCW Hall of Fame, but that... Uh... Oh, they did do the Oddities theme song, yes. right? Yes. Okay. They, so when they were in the Oddities. In fact, yes. ICP needs to show up in AEW. I think they could perhaps get the record or, or for the tag team to be in the most different promotions. They should show up with Danhausen. It kind of works, right? I think it would work. Yes. So, um, SmackDown Tag Team Champion Jey Uso versus Ivar. Ivar winning by DQ because Jimmy interfered. Are you excited for this match at Elimination Chamber tomorrow between the no. Usos and the Viking Raiders? It could be argued this is the worst feud in WWE right now. Like the 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 worst feud in WWE in terms of just the Viking Raiders have gotten nothing. They've been dominated. And then even when it's time for them to win, it's a DQ win. I really don't expect the Viking Raiders to win, but it would be the most WWE thing ever if you didn't expect them to win and they just won just because. But they are not being promoted as a team that we should take seriously. Having said that, from a talent standpoint, I expect this tag team match to be good. If they give them time, the Usos and War Machine are two very good tag teams that can have a very good match. In terms of the storyline, it's trash. Yeah, and there's no way the the Vikings are winning this. No, that's what I think. But, you know, WWE has swerved me before in these situations. But I agree. I don't think just based on how they've been booked, they don't – and it's not them. I'm not saying they don't deserve, but the characters that WWE is portraying on TV do not deserve to win that tag team champions based on how they've just been treated over the past several weeks by the Usos. Yeah, it just I, – I don't see a credible path for that to happen at all. Um. So, okay, so with Drew McIntyre – they're calling him the SmackDown Warrior right now. Mm-hmm. Why has nobody used the term Drew Smackintyre? <laughs> Can you imagine Michael Cole saying that, though, and how lame it would sound if he said it? The SmackDown Warrior. I mean, as opposed to the Scottish Warrior. Like, Drew Smackintyre. Where's Pat McAfee? Because he's been off SmackDown the past couple of weeks. Is there something going on with him? I don't know. Well, he was, uh, but but remember, this was taped last week. So if you missed last yes. Friday, and yeah, oh, that's right, that's right. So this would just run it back from that, okay? Because is I he, think he could pull that off. He could pull is, off Drew McIntyre. Is he at uh, Illumination Chamber tomorrow? We'll, that's we'll interesting. I don't know. I don't know who's uh, going to be there. I don't think he did the last one, but I don't think he was with the company that at that point. Yeah, we shall see. Um, his promo talking about arrested by the police in New Orleans, and they let him go. Kind of veering into that uh, history lesson 
territory, I felt like. I mean, it was an interesting way to get over the crowd and be like, well, I lived here. I mean, but the thing is that we, nobody thinks he's losing tomorrow. I think he might. Really? Because if they're building toward him and uh, Happy Corbin, and he's already beaten Madcap Moss, just the way WWE books, I think they might have Happy Corbin cost him this match against Madcap Moss. Yeah. I like Happy Corbin. Madcap Moss should steal all Happy Corbin's money and make him interesting again. Yeah, so he could be broke, and then he could be endearing again, and they can continue that storyline. I'm still, He's still got the shirt with the stain on it unwashed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he could fall asleep on the ground, and uh, they, they need to get back to that, man. That was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because Vince McMahon like takes great glee in making fun of the pores. <laughs> um, and I hate that it was so good. I hate that it like it was such a because he he made fun of it like he was like old timey poor. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like they have the can. The yeah. People don't do that anymore. But he he had the can. I was ready to have him rocking a bindle. You know, <laughs> <laughs> making hobo chili backstage. <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, okay. So you think Madcap Moss could win tomorrow? I think he's got a chance. I, I do think he has a chance. Okay. Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Two men that have one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life in NXT TakeOver Dallas. Agreed. How do you think this compared tonight? It did not. But I, I, thought, I thought the finish was very weird, but it kind of made sense in terms of him going after his knee and then pinning the good leg so that he couldn't kick out with the bad leg. I like the psychology of that, but this was just cat and mouse, Sami Zayn picking his spots. I was very surprised when you announced last week that Sami Zayn had won the title. I figured, okay, well, how did he cheat? But this was like a clean win where he just went after his knee. And I'm glad Sami Zayn's intercontinental title. He should be rewarded for the amount of just heel work that he does. And I hope they give him an honest run where, you know, similar to the hockey talk man, but like a great worker where he's more of a character who gets himself out of situations and is able to hold on to that title. I think he's going to lose it to Johnny at WrestleMania and maybe oh win God. it back. Actually, I don't know. Maybe Johnny will drop it and there'll be a tournament. I, I'm worried that Sammy is a transitional champion to get us to the Johnny Knoxville <laughs> Intercontinental Championship reign that will probably last for all of three weeks. Think about what you just said. Sammy Zayn is a transitional champion of Johnny Knoxville. What are we doing here? Look how much money Jackass Forever made. Yeah, and it would be good press for WWE. It'd be one of those things that they could put out on all the publications that picked up the fact that Johnny Knoxville won the IC title. I could absolutely see them doing that. Yeah, I mean, this will be okay for Sammy in the long run, but I mean, it's all about TV time. And this is the thing, you know, we've talked about this before, um, that what's more important? I mean, just having the championship title or being a main character on television. In WWE, definitely being a main character because those titles mostly don't mean anything unless it's a world title, unless it's a universal title. But, I mean, you look at Damian Priest, who they I feel like they're getting behind and they had him undefeated, but he's just now just kind of spinning his wheels as the United States champion. And I don't think that title has necessarily elevated him. Yeah. I, th I think there is that childhood dream of being champion that I think a lot of wrestlers get hung up on. Yeah, there is a sentimental value to that, especially with the WWE world title. And any wrestler who gets into rest to WWE or pro wrestling at any level, their goal is to be the world champion. They, they've all had that daydream of them being the world champion. And even if they didn't end up there, that's what they got in the business to do. 
Yes, I guarantee you Kevin Owens, when he thinks about his WWE tenure thus far, thinks about, oh, it was so great to be the champion. He doesn't think, man, I got a lot of TV time when I was hiding in a porta potty running from Braun Strowman. <laughs> man, that was great to be a TV star that week. I think he remembers his time with Chris Jericho fondly, though. Maybe he values that more than a world title, but I think he definitely sees that world championship as his apex. Yeah, the Jericho. Actually, I mean, his two best times have been when he was with Jericho and then when he was with Sami Zayn when yeah. they were both heels. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez, 499. How dead in the water is Shinsuke? Remember how over that guy the main roster five years ago? Sigh. Well, there was that Dolph promo when he compared to Mike to Michael Jackson. And from there, he was dead on arrival. Yeah, that was not a lot of fun. And um, he had that match against AJ Styles that was promoted as a dream match, which is a mistake. In and they kicked each other in the nuts. Yeah, it just ended up not being as good as they said it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They just kept going back and forth, kicking each other in the balls. That's what the feud was. Could you imagine if Tony Khan booked AEW that way and was like, hey, guys, we got a hot new signing. Wait, CM Punk's back. CM Punk versus Darby Allen, and they're just kicking each other in the nuts. Just take turns doing that. That's what CM Punk and MJF should do. It's five minutes into the match, just kick him in the balls. Disqualification. Yes. Um... This was a good match. I know a lot of people were a little unhappy with the finish. Just yeah, a very random finish, but that's fine. When is Sammy going to win with the Blue Thunderbomb? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, they, they don't really – he's kind of like a comedy heel, so that would be too much credibility for him given the role he plays. So I think a lot of his wins are just going to be somebody slips on a banana peel, he gets a cheap roll-up with his foot on the ropes. He's almost promoted as a not – he's promoted like the honky-tonk man, really. Because the Talk Man was not about the wrestling. Uh, it was more about the character and winning matches through nefarious means. The difference is that Sami Zayn is like legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the country, yet he has to be Honky Tonk Man, which he does fantastically. Imagine if the Honky Tonk Man had played Ska. <laughs> I could see Wayne doing that Ska dance. Skanking, as the kids call it. <laughs> um... I like this match. I like that Sammy's intercontinental champion. Yeah. One step closer to dethroning Roman Reigns. Here he comes. The the tribe, the new tribal chief, the Syrian tribal chief. I okay, so one that's my wish list, but I would also really like to see Sammy get a legit match against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he's never had it. Yeah, that, that would I mean he would have to be more serious. Because this same as Zayn, they would just squash him in five seconds. I know. But if he got to be like same as Zayn from a few years ago. Could you imagine if he tried to do like the rolling Yoshi tonic on like <laughs> some of his like poor moves? Brock's not going for that. <laughs> do you think Brock can do a backflip? Not at this. I think maybe in his prime when he was younger, I think definitely. And he can obviously do a shooting star press. And I do think he could have done a backflip then. Now, I don't think he could do it now. I mean, he does have pretty jacked legs. Yeah, I mean, he's like still a phenomenal athlete, but he's like in his 50s or he's close to his 50s now. Uh, I wouldn't want to see him try it because the last time we saw him try that uh, shooting star press, it almost broke his neck. Let's see Brock wrestle in a lucha mask and do an entirely different style. Yeah. He see, needs new frontiers to conquer. 619 with Brock. 
Uh, Zachary Buck 99. Does this set up Rick Boogs and Shinsuke at WrestleMania? I mean, I hope so. Yeah, WWE likes doing those splits. It just depends. Um, because they haven't really teased anything with them, but maybe if they start and they've you know, we really don't have that much time until WrestleMania, it's almost March, so we got about a month now. So if they're gonna do something like that, they're gonna need to start moving. Yeah. So we had Ricochet backstage opening his mouth, talking Dulia. Again, backflip, then he can speak. Yeah, this is a very scripted, just not how people talk, saying, you know, re- reeling off Seamus' accomplishments and then saying that he wants to do the same thing. And, you know, the delivery wasn't there. And, it, and I think a lot of that's because it's just not how he really talks and not how anybody really talks. So delivering these lines is going to be tougher. And I just um, thought this was too long-winded. Yes. Oh, I thought Sammy was great in this, though. I thought Sammy gloating with this title was great. Okay, so the go-home promo tonight, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman confronted by Brock Lesnar ahead of their match at Elimination Chamber. Uh, Roman's going to Goldberg Goldberg. (laughs) Alfred, do you fantasize about your last name becoming a verb? (laughs) That would be fun. I wonder what what it would mean, though. Like, (laughs) Hopefully it would be positive, uh, but that would be nice to have my last name as a verb. But uh, Goldberg has now become a verb, and... And it's a good thing in terms of Goldberging somebody, unless he gets Goldberg. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of these promos? That was fine. They didn't do too much. It was a little bit less with more. I'm glad Goldberg didn't knock himself out. It looks like he's done hitting his head against the door, which he should have learned that lesson a while ago. But um, as long as he doesn't hit his head against the door and he doesn't get concussed, I think they should have a pretty good match. Short. Banger of a, just a bunch of spears. And um, this was there not a lot of talking for because when they got in the ring, it was like Roman got in the ring. It was like 645, I want to say. By the time Goldberg got in the ring, it was like three minutes left. And nobody had really said anything. And then nobody really said anything after Goldberg got in the ring. Yeah. It was interesting also that he said at 12 o'clock tomorrow. Like, I wonder if they're going to go on first. Yeah, I think he was just saying that for when the show starts. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll kick off the show because WWE has kicked off shows with, like, the world title match first. and then Two Elimination the... Chamber matches tomorrow. Yeah. So maybe an Elimination Chamber of Brock Lesnar going over in the Elimination Chamber. That'd be a big thing to go off the air with. I wouldn't be surprised if Roman and Goldberg started off the show because they've done that before. I believe Roman and Jay Uso kicked off a pay-per-view one time. I wonder if Goldberg's like, uh, I'm doing that and I'm getting on a plane you're not holding me up if that happens yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. We're getting on a private plane as soon as possible. No hostage yeah. situation. They'll, they'll all be back in time for Raw Monday night. It's a long trip. Oh, that's like I think you'd have to pay me for the flight. I, that's how I would look at it. I mean, the performing in the heat's one thing in the humidity, but and that flight. It's long. So, What's the longest plane ride you've ever been on? Uh, when I went to Liberia, West Africa, um, it took. 23 hours but i wasn't on the wow. plane for 23 hours i was the longest flight was like a maybe 11 hours wow yeah i think I, maybe we did eight or nine hours going back from puerto rico to san francisco oh, okay. like a short layover 
And then, I mean, remember what it was like back before when air travel was more expensive and you'd have to take the weird connecting flights. I mean, we flew Southwest Airlines when they first opened. We flew from Michigan to California, and that was like going on a Greyhound bus. I think we landed and took off. I think we had probably four layovers and we changed planes twice because that was a cheap flight. That was the cheapest flight we could get. Well, Southwest is the Greyhound of airplanes. Yes. But now there's more direct flights. Yes. Now there's more. Well, I mean, provided the flights actually happen. I mean, I know in the current situation, but yes, air travel is a little easier now, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm interested in Elimination Chamber tomorrow. I'm excited about some of the matches, but again, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, that's not prime wrestling time, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It's almost, well, I mean, like Saturday morning wrestling used to be a thing, but that was the old syndicated wrestling that uh, you watched as a kid. So it's going to have that kind of feel, but um, it'll be weird. I really don't like waking up early on the weekends, and 9 a.m. is considered early for me. So it'll be tough for me to wake up and actually be fully awake watching this. Yes, I think Issa's covering it tomorrow because she's in Puerto Rico where she's it's going to be like 1 in the afternoon when it starts for her. Raj is going to roll out of bed. Not have coffee because he's detoxing off caffeine and sugar. Have you have you podcasted with Raj lately? No, I haven't done that. Yeah, I did the couple of nights ago. Was it Wednesday or Tuesday? No, we did one. It was me, you, and oh, that's Raj, right. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my God, Mr. Energy, Mr. Yeah, Excitement. He was telling me about how tired he was because he had to cover all these stories and he didn't get to drink coffee. Somebody get that man a Red Bull. <laughs> um, so look, Goldberg, Roman, look, Roman's winning this. There's no way Goldberg is walking out of there with that title tomorrow yes i could see roman reigns winning unless they have designs for stone cold versus goldberg for the title and they need to get the title on goldberg which i don't think is going to happen so i see roman reigns retaining Stone Cold versus goldberg i don't think they're gonna do it this year but that's gotta happen we were talking about this yesterday that's like the biggest money match i mean next i mean that's probably actually bigger than sting versus undertaker yeah, it's a match that has Saudi Arabia written all over it. I can see them doing that in Saudi. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy Illumination Chamber tomorrow. It'll be interesting. Watch No Retreat, No Surrender this weekend. You won't regret it. Super silly movie, but yet it was awesome. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Hitting Applebee's or? Hitting Applebee's covering Elimination Chamber tomorrow. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll have time to go to Applebee's and celebrate after it's all over. But uh, I'll have some coverage on that uh, when the show is over. It should be a very newsworthy show. Nice. And Monday's a holiday for most people. Yes, thank God. Thank God for that. Love it. President's Day. Yes. There you go, folks. Alpha to Z, this is nasty. Uh, I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Alfred, I want you to get your your money man in the suit with Jade Cargill. I want you to get yes. that. Oh, okay, I'll put him side by just for you. I'll tag you in it. I think. Come on, <laughs> too perfect, too perfect. Uh, and uh, everybody will catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.